hundred years. Take me back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about what I did. But I'm a man now. What's the plan now? Gotta get it done. No time for fun now. Take me back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about what I did. But I'm a man now. What's the plan now? Gotta move on. Those days are gone now. Mike Young. Stories that need to be told. Sitting here with Stock Tip Dave. Interior. Mike's apartment. Daytime. Five o'clock. We're not driving to the airport right now. No traffic. No traffic. Dave is, uh, has let me know that a lot of the audio from our podcast has, uh, has been funky because of the driving. So we're not, we're not driving. So let's recap the week. What a week it's been. Videos After Dark starring Bob Sagan on ABC at 10 o'clock following the Bachelor finale. It came out. People loved it. We didn't get the big giant number that we wanted to get ratings-wise. But Bob got the call the next morning saying, good news. They're going to air all 14 episodes. And we don't know what day it's going to be on. And I don't have the exact date. But it was my first network seeing my name on network television under written by... And it was very cool to see, and I can definitely say it was a a moment. Dave's parents watched it. Stock tip Dave's parents watched it. What did they say? They liked it. Except? They they said there was a lot of great videos, but then there was a couple of videos that they just didn't really like. But they said about 70% great videos and then 30% videos that were okay. And did they not like them because they were too edgy? They just... um, I think my dad has a better sense of humor than my mom, to be honest. And there's just some, they just said they just didn't get. Mm-hmm. And they weren't, they, there were some amazing ones, and then there were ones that they just did not get. It was videos that you cannot see on the old show. It was edgier stuff. There's guys tasering themselves from Russia. There's smoking hot girls in bikinis falling on ice. How do you like these new chairs? These are comfortable. All right. I like that video, the girl running off the dock and like jumping into like right. frozen lake. I've never seen that. Right. Here's what I say about videos. See, I was never a big fan of these type of things as a kid only because I fell and cracked my head so many times and crashed on bikes, fell down hills, knocked the wind out of myself, fell over. It all had, I've been tipped over in an outhouse. Oh yeah. I got you a story. I actually, if this you can interrupt me. No problem. That's two demerits on Dave today. I'm only going to bring up this one. The other one can't be put public. Um, But if you've ever been hurt, it's tough to laugh at people getting hurt. But these videos that we have, they they are some of the funniest videos. I mean, people on pole dancing falls and people getting hammered and just, you know, too drunk and just tipping over in bars, lifting weights and fainting, all kinds of funny stuff. And then Bob came out and just rocked it. Bob came out rock star style in a new suit. He delivered just like the old show. He did all the voices. And we premiered uh, Tuesday night after The Bachelor. And it was very cool. And I got to go to Vin DeBona's house for the premiere party. And let me tell you something. I've been sadly mistaken coming up in the independent film world. And like, you know, yeah, I raised some money and made a movie with my passion and my soul. You know, I raised money. They made $5 million. They did for my man as a loser. We sold it to Lionsgate. I got to write it and direct it, but yet I wasn't in full control. 
all that edgy, cool stuff. Vindabona's Kleenex holder costs more than my movie. Okay? You talk about network television hit making money. And listen, I'm not about the money. But the way this guy lives his life is admirable. This is a guy who's like raised a great family. He's got his grandkids. He just loves life. And he used television to, to feed the rest of his life. Finn DeBono went to film school. He teaches at Emerson. He's a film buff, historian, professor. He's, you know what I mean? He's educated in the world of actual movie making. But how smart is that to just go make some funny little offbeat hit that he's had for 25, 30 years and then just live the life you want to live? That's not selling out. No. That's not selling out. What's, there's, no, there's nothing selling out about making a fortune on a silly show and then using that fortune to go live exactly the way you want to live. I, right? I would do it. Actually, I have, I have two, two instances that would have been great for that show also when I was younger. Two things that happened to you? Yeah. Okay, Dave, tell us. Well, like you were saying, you know, accidents as a kid. So two things with a bike with me. The first, when I was younger, I was, getting, I was probably three, four, five, whatever, getting chased by a bee. I rode my bike into the deep end of the pool and couldn't swim just to get away from the bee. So I'm sitting at the, at the bottom of the pool. My dad literally had to jump in and save me. So I'm just sitting in the deep end, looking around, sitting on the bike. I didn't move. And then when I got a little bit older, when I actually learned how to ride a bike, my, my brother and a friend put me on the bike. They just pushed me. I didn't know how to brake, didn't know how to do anything. Went down a hill, hit the curb, and flew off the bike into a bush. Those are two great videos. Thank God you're alive because you should have been dead on the first one. That's not healthy yeah. or good. Grinding into that's, a pool. Yeah, that's terrible. I've almost died. I, I, I was racing my cousin Joey on a motorcycle, and I came around a corner, and I hit a curb, and I flew off the motorcycle, and I should have been crushed or killed. And somehow in midair, I grabbed the handlebars and stayed on and, and survived. And it was like my brother watched it happen. He's like, dude, that was God saying it's not your day. I mean, like it was, it was bananas what happened. I was on a zip line that snapped and I fell like right next to a, a tree stump. We made a zip line in the forest I yeah. got, and then just snapped and it went 25 feet. That's why I say life is hard enough it, just to live. If you don't fall in a manhole when you're three <laughs> at a construction site, if you don't ride your big wheel into a basement that's being built and die that way, if you don't get hit by a drunk driver in middle school or in your teens by some crazy person in a neighborhood, if you don't get kidnapped by the Oakland County killer, you know what I mean? And you get to college. And if you get to college and you don't get hurt, you know, another drunk driving situation doesn't take you out or you don't fall off a balcony drunk and you live to be your 30s. You've really survived a lot of war. You know what I mean? You're really, it's hard to just stay alive. And this video show, it presses, we press the issue on it. So that was my, it, we worked our ass off, man. Bob and I and Michael O'Rourke, we worked so hard writing these videos, recording these videos, doing every voice for them, rewriting every, every video that came in. We would go in the office, they'd be like, yo, we gotta replace five videos. So that's like four hours of work right there. It's the hardest I've worked really physically, just like stay awake type of hours and use your brain. Probably, it was probably the hardest thing I've done. Um, but it all night, paid off. One, one night, night you were there until 4 a.m. working. Yeah, one night, I was, hours a day. yeah, one night I was at Saget's house till 4.30 in the morning <laughs> writing videos with Bob, sitting next to him. It was not an easy night. I was very miserable, but I had to 
you just have to surrender when it comes to something like this because everyone has their own work style and that's not my style. I don't stay awake till four in the morning doing anything. I like to work three hours in the morning, three hours mid-afternoon and an hour or two like around eight or nine. You know, I, I, it's called chunking. I like chunking. That's what I like to do also. It's a good, yeah. It's a good strategy because that way you do everything while you still have energy and you don't burn yourself out. Exactly. That's exactly what chunking is. You don't burn out. So it's funny, man. When I'm Facebook living and I do that all the time, people always write to me, keep up the hard work. Keep up the grind. Keep up. You're working so hard. You deserve it. I almost take offense to that for the people that really do work hard. I'm sorry to say this, and I know, but this is the big trick of Hollywood. This is what the, how they trick you and the, the rest of the world makes you think. It ain't that hard. It's hard to make it and survive. It's hard to make a living doing what you love. That you have to figure out. But it is way harder to wake up at five o'clock in the morning and go to work at Ford Motor Company and work on the assembly line till six o'clock at night. Yeah. It is way harder to get up and go to the scrap truck at five in the morning with my dad on eight mile in two degree weather with gloves and having copper coiling cut through your glove, cut your hand and then go home and sneeze dust that could kill you for the rest of the week. All right, it's way harder to stay home and raise a family and put your kids through college than it is to come out here. I appreciate the thought that like I'm working, so I've worked so hard at this. I've worked long at this, just long. To say I've worked hard, I don't get it. I just don't get it. And Saget disagrees with me. He's like, don't tell me that digging a ditch is harder. This is brain work or this is this. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I believe it because I guess when you love what you do, I love what I do, man. I love writing. I love doing comedy. Yeah. I love making movies. I really love it. So it doesn't feel like hard work. Yeah, it's just what you love. It's what I love, and I can't even believe that I get to do it as for work. So for everyone out there who keeps saying, keep working hard, keep the grind, let it go. You know what I mean? Let it go. I, I, believe me when I tell you, if you're home working a nine to five and you hate your wife and you're, a, you know what I mean, and you're living with a drunk, you got a tougher life. If you got a kid in college who's not feeling good and you got another kid who's got problems and you got a third kid who doesn't get along with anybody at school and is getting bullied, you have a harder life than any of the comedians that we, you know what I mean, and any actor that supposedly had it, it was such a struggle for so long. It's all bullshit. The hard shit is staying home. Being concrete, building a family, building a life, and doing shit where you're from. That is way harder, okay? My friends out here, Leo, he's been working since he's 10 years old in the, in the business. So he's been working long, you know what I mean? And, and he has a gift. He's, he's gifted. Nobody can imitate people like him. Nobody can act like him. There, there's not... There's, there, it's also a fallacy that like, there's a thousand Leos out there. There's just, he just got lucky. Uh-uh, you're wrong. There is no luck. There is no luck. Get it out of your mind. You make your luck. You know what I mean? Nobody, there's not a thousand people who could act like that. There's not a thousand people that could get an Oscar playing that, that could have done, a thousand people that could have done Gilbert Grape or done what he did in The Revenant. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's bullshit. So for anyone that thinks like, People are, they just get lucky and there's a million people that can sing. I don't give a shit if you can sing. You ain't Lady Gaga. You know what I mean? 
there's yeah yeah um there are a million people that can hit the highest note and the lowest note that doesn't mean jack shit you know what i mean if you can't if you can't convey the song like a true artist and tell the story and connect to people that's the gift of course everybody can sing you know what i mean not everybody can write like write their no material. And it took me a long time to figure out that not everyone could write. I used to think that like I'd write a movie and I would just disappear and like in my brain and come up four hours later and I was like, oh my God, four hours just passed. In my mind, I kept thinking everybody can do that. I didn't realize for a while that no, not everybody can do that. It's a gift that I got. Like I just, it's not, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not the greatest writer, but I got this little cool gift where like I can talk to a few people, I can get their voices, I can put their voices into characters, and I can write those characters for a long time. That's my little lucky thing that I was born with. But everybody's got something. Everyone's, everyone, I, I do believe, I really believe everyone's got something unique. Stock tip Dave, he's got something unique. Yeah, he's 5'4", he's riding around on a four-foot skateboard, you know what I mean? He's, <laughs> he's, he's got all kinds of social quirks going on. He's interrupts, he interrupts my, my talking all the time. He's got social cues that he's not doing properly. He's got Kevin Connolly writing up a list of social things he has to pay attention to. But you got something unique, Dave. Nobody's like you, bro. That's why you're liked by everybody. That's why you come to goal and you got movie star dudes and like bartender sweepers and like bar backs and like hot chicks that want to hang out around you sure you're not getting laid from it but we're working on that don't worry about this podcast dave dave points to me gets nervous don't worry about it okay we're all trying to help you out all right you think colton's the real bachelor no, we need stock tip dave to be the new bachelor I mean, when drita walked in with all the girls the other day four of them gave me hugs and Honestly, I didn't know. I don't remember meeting two of them, and they came up and gave me a hug. No, bro, you spend twelve minutes talking to Connolly in a booth that gets you hugs. Okay, <laughs> it's called fall off hugs. Because this one girl, you're right. Because it was me. I know I'm right. It was me, Kevin, and then you know Leo comes and sits down at the table. I maybe say one word to him. He leaves after ten minutes, and a girl comes up to me. She goes, she goes, oh yeah. She introduces herself to me. She goes, she goes, oh yeah. Everybody saw you sitting with Leo, and I'm like, who's everybody? She goes, all the girls. That's one of the beautiful things. And by the way, I, I, if I was going to get a tattoo, yeah, I want my nephew's tattooed on my arm, my brother, my mom, my dad's name. Yeah. But I could get a little tattoo with Leo on my shoulder because you do you, you, you be around Leo for 20 years. You get all sorts of fall off props, all kinds of positive things happen to you just from hanging around. And I wrote a joke about it. I've only done it a few times, but I basically said, I feel like buying his acting coach a gift and being like, yo, bro, thank you. Because every time he's nominated, I get laid. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's a funny Hollywood thing and it really is just a joke. But, you know, he's just, he's a good enough dude that, and he is the biggest movie star on the planet who happens to just be a grounded, humble person. So I can't say enough good things about Leo. Wahlberg is like that too. Wahlberg's a real chill, humble dude. He's a, he does this, he's a little different because he's Boston style. Because you said um, everybody's got their own unique quirk. And so are their unique thing. Like, so there's nobody like me. What What is it about Wahlberg that makes him, you know, unique? Well, Wahlberg's, he's Marky Mark. I mean, he comes from being a sex symbol who's in, you know, who's got a great body and could rap as a smooth white rapper he's got his boston swagger he's a tough scrappy dude he appeals to the masses because he's like he'll fight you and he'll also 
be on a private jet 20 minutes later. Like he's got that grounded every man thing, you know? So he's got his thing. And he was a hustler, man. And he was not lucky. His brother was in a major group and his and Mark got like, was smart enough and got with the right people. And they put him on after he was modeling and rapping as Marky Mark, they put him on as an actor. And he's got such a great, amazing work ethic that he took that to the next level. He's not lucky. It wasn't it, Basketball Diaries the first movie or was it before that? No, he's been in movies before that, but like he did that movie with Leo. And um, that kind of took him to the next level. And he, he was awesome in it. We used to play ball at his house every week, bro. I almost got in a fight with his chef. <laughs> the first time we played ball at Mark's house, not first, second or third time, we're up there balling, Connolly's shooting threes, Leo's got his post up, Toby's scrappy running all over the place, Lucas is posting up, Chuck's elbowing people. Mark's chef, who's a tough dude, I didn't know he was the chef, I didn't even know who he was, he was just on Mark's team and he kept elbowing me hard and like, I was fresh out of Detroit. Did you yell at him? I didn't yell at him, bro. I was squared up ready to fight him in the middle of the court. <laughs> and Mark was like, yo, chill out. And, Lee, and my boys were like, yo, chill out. But, you know, they just, I don't take shit like that, you know. Of course, now I'm older and I would never, I don't want to get in any kind of fight ever. But then I was like full of fire. You know what I mean? You're like full of fire. I remember one time at basketball, uh, we played ball against Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. They were in our league every week. They played before they blew up big. They had like a, a personal trainer that was always with them, like a big body buff type of dude. Now I'm telling you, when I came out of, out here from Southfield, Michigan, I had a chip on my shoulder because I just didn't really know anybody. I had an attitude. I wasn't afraid and I could play ball. And so at the court, their, their trainer, who I guess also like tried to teach them boxing, but he was like one of those personal trainer type of boxing guys yeah. who didn't really know how to box, but he kind of knew how to be in shape. And he like squared up with me and just kind of toyed around with me. And I basically, I slap boxed him until he fell to the ground. <laughs> and I'll never forget the look that Ben Affleck gave me. And he probably would never remember me. And I don't think, I just don't think he'll remember, he'd remember me. <clears throat> but he just looked at me like, who is this dude that just slap boxed my personal trainer to the ground? And I, I just, you just remember certain weird moments, but that was a funny moment. I remember you telling me a story that someone came up to you and called you the Ben Affleck of comedy. That was when I got a deal from <laughs> Warner Brothers. I got, a, I got a television deal in Montreal and all these Warner Brothers, I'd never gotten any kind of deal for anything. No, I was broke. I had $1,500 left to my name. I did a comedy set in Montreal for New Faces Comedy. The Warner, I had a Dave Becky, who's Kevin Hart's manager, was my manager for five years, six years. After my set, he's like, Warner Brothers wants to meet you. They're calling you the Ben Affleck of comedy. Because I guess I had a ton of hair and I just had a big face and I looked like Ben Affleck a little bit. Like back then, I have no idea. I don't think I really looked like Ben Affleck, but that's just a sentence that they used. But that was that was another great moment because it afforded me one deal, afforded me to not have to continue my day job even though I loved it I actually was teaching boxing I was training Doug Allen I was training Doug's wife I was training DeRosa I was training everybody boxing I would go to Toby's house when Toby was getting in shape for Spider-Man I'd spar with Toby and just like move around with him and you know just get him in shape we all help get him in shape I think but yeah that was that See, was in that one deal and now you got one that you might be a, your huge passion project starting soon you talking about the music situation? Yeah, the, the one you might write, you're writing. Yeah. 
I haven't said too much about it. I'm sure Kevin told you about it. Not any from this week. Anything from this week. Right. I'm on the three-yard line. <laughs> about to cross the goal line, man. I mean, I could say it. I'm not one of these people who do I don't give a shit. I'll just say it. I've been friends with Run DMC, the group. I've known them for 20 years. I met them when I was a kid, when I was in Jesse Itzler's office in New York City. I met Jam Master J, rest in peace, the greatest DJ to ever do it, who changed the whole freaking world and culture musically through him and his group Run DMC. He was the glue of the group. He was the coolest person in the group. He's what gave Run DMC street credibility and style. Before Jam Master J came to Run DMC, they were wearing button-down suit jackets. <laughs> D, I love you. DMC, I love you. You are my boy. I love him. Run, I love you too. But without Jay, you were just two dudes doing your thing and you never would have been what you were. You changed the cultural style of the world. There is no... There is no Kanye Yeezy boost without Jam Master J and Adidas. Yeah. There is no Kobe Bryant shoes without Run DMC getting their first Adidas deal. You know what I mean? There, there just isn't. They were the transition group of all time. That being said, Jay has two, three sons. Um, two of his kids want to tell his story, and I've been meeting with them every week, basically, trying to get a deal done to where me and my partner, my producing partner, who I don't even want to say his name because he'll just he'll be he'll probably be mad that I even brought it up, but he's my friend for twenty years also. You know what? Fuck it, I could say it. It's Kevin. Me and my boy Kevin. If we are lucky enough and fortunate enough, we are right at the three yard line, potentially to produce this situation, and it's a dream come true. And honestly, the only reason I'm saying it out loud is because I feel like I'm the one who's supposed to do this. Like, I feel like I'm supposed to tell this story. Like, I love Jay. I used to drive around with Jay in his car. No joke. I would record him telling me stories because I was going to write the Jam Master Jay book 20 years ago. Wow. Yeah. That was my plan. I wanted to write Jay's book when I was 28, 29 years old. You know what I mean? That was what I was doing. And I met 50 Cent when he was not even, when he wasn't even out yet. And 50 Cent might remember this, but he... Jesse Itzler had an office in Manhattan. He had just sold Marquee Jet, a huge company. He had his office. Jam Master J had JMJ Records in the office building. 50 Cent was an artist under Jam Master J. 50 was going to be the next big thing. Jay's like, yo, you got to meet this kid. I meet 50 Cent. He's in a t-shirt and sweatpants. I'll never forget. I shake his hand. He's got a fucking iron hand. His hand is made of iron. And I said to Jay, I was like, yo, because I know I can feel things like this. I'm like, yo, that's a tough kid right there. And Jay's like, yo, this is, he's a knockout artist. He knocked you out. Like he he's, bought my friend's company. 50 did? Yeah. It's a company called SMS Audio, and he bought it and put it under his umbrella. That's awesome. Did your friend make money on it? Yeah. Yeah. So he was always posting pictures of him and 50 Cent. And so they were their business, business partners. Stock Tip Dave is the Forrest Gump of Los Angeles. <laughs> You're riding around on a skateboard. You, you barely button your shirt. None of your clothes fit. You shuffle when you walk. But your friend sold his company to 50 Cent. You used to, your other friend is, is working for Jim Belushi in the, in the marijuana game. 
You got uh, connections to the Atlanta Hawks. You got some weird cousin who's like a billionaire. I don't even know, man. You, <laughs> I feel like secretly your family run, owns Hollywood, but you're not telling anybody. Like, I think Stock Tip Dave is Jeffrey Katzenberg's off illegitimate kid well, that no one talks about. I did have a cousin who was the executive producer for Gilligan's Islands and Charlie's Angels in the 60s. Who? Sherwood Schwartz? No, William Frug. Frud. Really? Yeah, it says William Frud at the end of every um, uh, Gilligan's Island, and that's, that's like a cousin of mine. Nobody ever knows what anybody's got going on, man. <laughs> my only friends that don't have connections are my successful friends in L.A. <laughs> like, Connolly doesn't have any connections. His brother's a cop. I think his dad was like in construction. He didn't have any Hollywood connections. Nobody does, except for Stock Tip Dave. <laughs> I got candy stuck in my mouth. Anyway, so I met Jay, and hold on one sec. Talk to the people for that. <laughs> He's having an overdose of candy right here. He's got a whole bag full of it. I'm hooked on sugar. It's a terrible habit. I'm done. But I met Jay back in the day. I became friends with the group. I developed a television show for Run DMC. We got Paul Sims, who, um, who's a major big-time showrunner. He did news radio. He also did um, something recently for HBO. I can't remember if it was uh, – if he did Girls or he did um, I'm Dying Up Here. One of those shows. Paul Sims is a great dude. I would reach out to him again if I felt like it. I brought Run DMC to Paul Sims. He was going to be the showrunner. We went to NBC, and I will never forget at the time this lady that ran NBC development. She was the head of development. She said that Run DMC, she didn't understand who they were or, or why they were so big. And I just I said right there, I said, you know what? This world is upside down. And when there is an old white lady or older white man who's not hip to shit. I don't give a shit how old you are or like what you are. I don't care if you're white, black, it doesn't matter. If you're running an entertainment company and you don't know the value of Run DMC and like who they are, then you shouldn't have your job. Like you got the wrong job, you shouldn't have it. You know? And sorry, but I don't know how you got your job. But if you're not educated on the cultural icons of your own business, you shouldn't have that job. I should be running NBC, literally. And believe me when I tell you, I've had the thought of like bringing seven comics of the best comic minds under my own umbrella under a, into a management company or into like a, a network and having a deal. You know, and saying, let me develop for these guys. I'll bring them right to you. But that's, that's down the line. That's just my entrepreneurial brain working. But when I took Run DMC there and the woman was like, well, I'm not sure how popular they are. I, immediately, I was like, get me out of here. How does this, how do they even have any shows on this, on this network? You know, but that was 20 years ago. Times have changed. I think people are more hip because they have more access to information. And, you know, that's like saying you don't know who fucking Drake is. Would it be like theatrical or Netflix or Hulu? Netflix is getting huge. They're actually putting out commercials for their movies now. Like they're they're already advertising a uh, movie with Woody Harrelson and Kevin Costner in two weeks on Netflix. I, I know, and I saw that, and I don't know. I don't want to talk too much about this project just because it's like, you know, it's we're so close to just at least having the rights to to shop it. I don't want to overdo it, but I don't know where it would land. 
whoever gives us the best offer, you know, that yeah. would be the place. And I just want to be able to tell the story because the story of Jay coming up in Queens, you know, going to the park jams in Queens, learning how to DJ, having his best friend, Hurricane, who ended up being the DJ for the Beastie Boys. Hurricane, who was like, you know, really just a gangster type of kid who was going down the wrong path. They were both going down the wrong path. Jay got an opportunity to get his life together and go with something that might be might be something with Run DMC. It becomes something. He sees that Hurricane's going to end up dead or in jail. Hurricane happens to know how to DJ at the same time. Jay pulls him out of the streets, puts him with the Beastie Boys. He ends up, and the two of them end up in what might be the most two iconic groups of all time. Yeah. There's an argument to be made that both those groups are icon status, game changers for life. You know? So I love the story. I'd be blessed to make it happen. Jay's kids want me to do it, and we're hoping that we get this deal done. And Kevin's an awesome partner. We went and met with Jay's kid yesterday. We sat there in the studio just telling stories. And, you know, Kevin explained to them, explained to them how it all goes down. And, I, and they didn't really know Kevin. So I had to explain to them how much value he brings, you know, being somebody who's not only been acting for 30 years, directing forever, but also somebody who can produce in the blink of an eye. You know what I mean? He can make six phone calls. You got your entire crew and casting director and everybody, everyone's in place, ready to go make a show. So it was very cool. We'll see what happens. I feel weird that I mentioned it because I don't like, you know, but you know what? Fuck it. I'm putting it out there. And I have no rules in my brain. I got no rules, Dave. You know? I mean, this could all end tomorrow. Everything could end tomorrow. I don't care. I, mean, I, I do care. But that's what, I, that's what I mean when I say I don't care about saying it. Because I do care. Too uh, much. Obviously. Because you also said there's no such thing as luck. So if there's no such thing as luck, do you think that there's no such thing as superstitions? I don't. I don't believe in superstitions. Because even though... I shot my man as a loser. I wore the shorts day one. I wore the shorts day two. And I said to myself, every day that goes well, I'm going to wear my same shorts. I actually fell under believing in superstition. I wore the shorts every single day of the movie <laughs> because they were good luck to me. They're actually framed in my bedroom and signed by the cast and crew. Oh, wow. I did believe in a superstition, but I really don't believe that it's real. I, I went with it. Do I believe that if I put different shorts on, the same outcome, outcome would happen? Absolutely. I don't believe in superstitions like that. I really don't. I believe in omens, meaning like when something comes your way, you better recognize that that's a sign. I believe in signs. I believe if I go have a meeting with Jam Master J's kid and I get in the car and Run DMC is playing on the radio and then I go to the store and I see a guy in an all Adidas jumpsuit with Adidas shell toes on, that's a sign that I'm on the right path. I believe in signs. I believe you make your own luck. You know what I mean? I'll, and I, because I know, the way, I know the way the world works, bro. I've seen it. I've seen really bad things happen and then worse things happen a, a day later. Yeah. People leave a funeral of a loved one and get killed in a car accident. Life can be tragic and totally... It can, all you can do in life is hedge your bets, bro. All you can do is do the best you can do. You know what I mean? Like, lower your risk. Exactly. Eat right, do the right thing, make the right decisions, do all the best moves, make all your best chess moves you can. 
just to be healthy, stay alive and do the right thing. You know, I believe heavily in unfortunate, random things happening. They just happen. You just reminded me of a story. Actually, you know this guy as well. He's also a writer. He goes to goal sometimes. He said on his way to a motorcycle safety commercial that he had the audition for. He was auditioning for something about motorcycle safety. And on the way to the audition, he gets in a motorcycle accident. There you go. There you go. Take me back. When I was a kid, take me never back had now. to worry about oh. what I did. The one time I'm a one, man two. now, what's the plan now? Gotta the get it down, no time get fun down now. now. Take me back uh, when I was one, a kid. Two. Never had to worry take about what back. I Coming did. Coming back for you. But I'm a man now, what's the plan now?